Well, good morning. Good to see you today. We are so glad you're here. Welcome home. Um, we are, as you just saw there, in a series called Written in Stone. And this is the next to last week that we're going to be in this series. We've been talking about the Ten Commandments. But as Adam mentioned earlier, we are super excited today in this service to get to baptize uh, two people, Lillian Ripper and Sherry Jones. So let's give God a hand for that. That is awesome. And so that'll be uh, at the end of this service. We want to look forward to that. But today, as I mentioned, we're in the middle of a series. And what this series is about more than anything else is character. God wants to shape in the Israelites, as we're learning in this book of the Bible in Exodus, He wants to shape uh, His character in them. And not only does He want to shape His character in them, but 2,000 plus years later, God wants to shape His character in you and I. We were talking this morning that, the, you know, you think of Nike, Nike's slogan, their marketing scheme is, uh, scheme's a bad word, their marketing campaign is just do it. And the first four commandments uh, you could follow Nike's slogan, just do it. Worship the Lord first, remember the Sabbath day, don't have idols, all these different things, just do it. But the last, uh, the last six commandments uh, are the opposite of Nike's slogan. Instead of just do it, it's don't do it. And so they're talking about the relationships uh, that we have with each other. We've been unpacking those. And today what we're going to be talking about is simply that God wants to shape honesty in us. God wants to shape honesty and integrity in us. Regardless of how you've come in here today and you think, oh my goodness, that's like the worst message for me to hear. You know, regardless if you feel that way or you're completely affirmed that you're living this out, either way, we can all learn something from this today. God wants to shape character and integrity in us specifically today when it comes to telling the truth. And you saw on the screen the opposite of that is lying. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, is being people of integrity, people that tell the truth. I was thinking about this question today to get started today, why, re, why people don't tell the truth or why people lie. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's difficult to tell the truth. You know, maybe your girlfriend or maybe your, your wife or someone you love and care about says, do you think this dress looks nice on me? And, you know, if you think it does, then it's easy to say, yeah. But maybe you don't. And so what do you say? That's a nice dress. It's a nice dress. Or maybe another you know, example is your grandchild or your child or a niece or nephew is playing in a sporting event. And they just didn't do well. And they inevitably say, how did I do? And you say, I loved watching you play. Whatever you want to call that. <laughs> Right. Sometimes it's hard to tell the truth and not just in in little ways like that, but sometimes even in bigger ways. And I got to thinking about and this list is not exhaustive, but there's there's probably some main basis covered here on why people tend to not tell the truth. Now, these reasons that I'm going to give us are not good enough reasons to lie, but they're reasons that people do lie. Okay, So one of the reasons, again, not exhaustive, just a few big ones, one of the reasons that people lie is that they're embarrassed by whatever the truth really is, so they lie to keep it hidden. 
Okay? How many in your life, maybe as a child, all right, how many have ever done this in your entire life? I'll put my hand in the air. And those that don't have their hand in the air, then you're lying right now, right? Okay? So at some point in our life, we've probably been embarrassed and, and you know, not told the truth or at least the whole truth. Another thing that we, um, that sometimes the reason people lie is to tell the truth would complicate things. And kind of like in the story I talked about where you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Again, we're not advocating lying. We're going to talk about how to be people of character. But one of the reasons that some people do lie is because it would complicate things to tell the truth. And so to keep things as usual in the present, they don't tell the truth. Okay. Another reason, this is a big reason that people lie, is personal gain. Uh, the personal, because the personal gain, the desire would be impacted by telling the truth. So they lie or they mislead. And we're going to talk a lot about that because we want to make lying a black and white. It's only if you exactly tell a lie. But the Bible talks more about lying as also being misleading or also invi- you know, involving deception which sometimes we can compartmentalize that. And then probably another way that's a little less, you know, probably something we wouldn't maybe mention, but to me I see this a lot, is sometimes people will lie through, instead of just telling the real truth, they'll over-dramatize, they'll tell an over-dramatized version of the real truth so that they can get attention that they're looking for. Now, none of us have ever done that before, but I'm just saying, sometimes you guys know people like that, and maybe you're that person or you've done it before, where instead of just giving the facts, you over-dramatize it, which actually, in a way, is lying because it's not necessary to be that dramatic. Now, do you guys, I, I never watched The Office uh, much when it first came out, but years later, people were telling me it's funny, and the first time I watched it, I thought it was kind of dumb. But then as I kept watching, I found it funny. Have you ever seen The Office? A few of us out there. Okay, uh, Michael, who's the main character in, in The Office, tends to over-dramatize the truth. And so we're going to take a look at this. <laughs> I got some bad news. Meredith was hit by a car. Fortunately, I was able to be on the scene so quickly. I was actually in the car. There's all kinds of things wrong with this. You've got lying. Uh, you know, we've got deceiving. Uh, We've got all kinds of misleading going on in that scripture. And that's what we're talking about today. Let's read it. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And as we think about this today, I want to stretch your definition of what lying is. Uh, God has always been very consistent about testifying falsely against your neighbor and what lying looks like. But we tend to put lying in the category of, did you take the cookie and you did take the cookie and you say no? Did you take the cookie and you took the cookie? No, I didn't take the cookie. Okay, that's lying. But what we don't always put in the category, as I mentioned earlier, is we don't always say we we did or didn't take the cookie, but we kind of deceive and mislead before we ever get there so that that question's never asked or maybe the, we take the cookie jar so people can't see that we took the cookie or whatever, but there's deception involved. And that's kind of what God is talking about um, is not only lying, but giving false testimony uh, about yourself, about others, or about God. Now, specifically in this scripture... What God is talking about is giving false testimony uh, through lying in court 
Um, When you study this and break this down, the NIV application says, giving false testimony means lying in court, and God knew that Israel could not survive unless its system of justice was incorruptible. And then it goes on to say, we should be honest in our private dealings as well as in our public statements. We need to be honest in our private dealings. You know, think of this. I'll give you a quick example of this. And this is more lighthearted. But why do we lie when we play golf and there's no one around? It's just us. And you give yourself like four mulligans. So no one's there to care if you scored well or bad. And you just... You're lying to yourself, right? We need, to be li- we need to be honest in our private dealings as well as in our public statements. Um, earlier this week, my son Noah got in the car and he said, Hey, Dad, did you hear that Tucker broke his foot? Well, I happen to be friends with Tucker's parents on Facebook and I knew that Actually, we don't know if he broke his foot yet. His mom just put on there, Hey, we don't know if Tucker broke his foot. Waiting to hear from the doctor. The truth was, we don't know if he broke his foot. What my son said was, did you hear Tucker broke his foot? And what he also doesn't know is, I read that on Facebook and I already knew that story. So I said to him, and also I'm in the middle of preparing this sermon. So I picked him up and he said that. And I said, really? He broke his foot? Yeah, he broke his foot. Noah gave me permission to tell this story, so I'm just telling you. And... uh, I said, are you sure he broke his foot? He goes, yeah, he broke his foot. Well, I'm pretty sure he broke his foot. Well, how do you know? Well, he breaks his foot. He's broke his foot before. And I said, well, what would be the truth? What do you mean? What are you doing, Dad? I said, well, what would be the truth? Just humor me. Well, the truth, I guess, I don't know, I guess... Tucker went to the doctor, and they're going to find out today there's a possibility he broke his foot. That's the truth. Why do you even mention that? Because I read on Facebook today that Tucker's mom said they weren't sure if he broke his foot. And we found out later he didn't break his foot. I share that silly story with you, and so then Noah says, are you going to share that in church? I said, not if you don't want me to. He goes, I don't care. That's fine. I I like it when you mention me in church. I said, all right. So I'm going to use it then. I share that story because we've, we have to realize that we've got to be honest in our private dealings and our public statements and to practice telling the truth with the little things. So that as we practice telling truth with the little things, when the big things come, we can tell the truth. It also is talking about in either situation, we give false testimony by leaving something out of the story. My goodness, this happens all the time. Because we can, get, we can get more attention if we leave out this important part. By telling a half-truth, by twisting the facts, no one in the media does that, but twisting the facts or just making something up, inventing a falsehood. God warns against deceiving, even though deception is a way of life for many people. You know, it, it amazes me um, just... How deceiving and deceptive people can be, and maybe you've encountered this, where their goal, where their mind is never to be truthful and honest. It's always coming from some twisted angle. And God says, hey, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a part of who I am, if you're going to say you're a believer, then your words, your yes needs to be yes. 
And your no needs to be no in your private dealings and in your public statements. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Joseph, we talked about Joseph as well as David when we were talking about the, the topic of sexual sin. And today I want to talk a little bit about Joseph again because Joseph, uh, Potiphar's wife, gives false testimony uh, about Joseph. If you don't remember the story, Joseph is in the castle or in the temple or whatever you want to call it. Potiphar's wife, again, she goes into cougar mode and goes after Joseph. Joseph denies that, runs out of the, the temple, and we kind of applauded Joseph for doing the right thing because when he was tempted, he ran away. But we left the story right there. We didn't talk about anything after the story. I want to talk just a minute about after that. So she touches him and grabs his clothing and says, come to bed with me. He's in such a hurry to get out of there because he doesn't want to fall into temptation that he runs. But when he runs, he leaves a part of his clothing with her. After he runs out of there, she's still there holding this clothing. And then this is what happens. When she saw that she was holding his cloak when he fled, she began to think of, I'm embarrassed. He just denied me. I made an attempt. I've been spending all this time grooming him for this moment, and he didn't fall into my trap. And I'm embarrassed, and I'm angry, and I'm mad, and I want to save face. What can I I do? I could make something up. So she starts calling out to her servants. And they come running. She says, look. My husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away. Some of that story is true. Some of that story is not true. He did run away. And that's how we sometimes justify truth. There's that little piece of truth in there. He did run, that's true. But everything else in that story isn't. And he left his cloak behind with me. So I don't know if it's because the servants knew that she was the problem and so they didn't respond or she just needed somebody to vent to or you know, the servants didn't have any power to do anything. So she waits with the cloak. The servants don't, the Bible tells us they don't do much. They leave. And then her husband comes home, and her husband's in charge of Joseph. He's the main dude. He's got all the power. He has all the control. He has the authority to do something evil to Joseph for what Joseph had done to her in her mind. She tells him the same story. This Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. But you know me, I'm a virtuous woman. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Now you do something about that. Well, Potiphar knew Joseph. Now, I, you know, I don't know if he immediately just forgot that Joseph was a person of character because his, he, be, he believed his wife's web of lies or if he sat there for a little bit and she kept on him about it and so finally he got mad. I don't know exactly, but what we know is at some point... Potiphar gets furious, angry. He obviously at some point believed her story when he hears this story about how Joseph had treated her. So he takes Joseph and he throws him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained for, we know, two years. 
Potiphar's wife gave false testimony about Joseph's character. Potiphar's wife gave false testimony about Joseph's character. And as a result of that false testimony, Joseph has to pay the consequences for it. You ever been there? Let's read it. You must not testify falsely. Let's read it one more time. You... It's not just Potiphar's wife that does this. It's not just people that don't attend church that, you know, that that do this. We all have a tendency to say things not only that may not be true, but maybe we don't have all the facts. If you haven't heard it from the source and you haven't seen it, then don't spread it. Well, you know, I heard from I heard from Betty who told me from Angie who said it from Sherry and they're all, you know, they heard it from the internet and everything on the internet's true. Jesus talks about this. In every commandment that we've unpacked, there'll be this commandment and then there'll be a New Testament edit or addition to that commandment in the New Testament. Jesus adds weight to what God is writing in stone, this non-negotiable in stone in the Old Testament. He says this, Jesus says this, I tell you this, these are Jesus' words, People are going to have to give an account on Judgment Day for every idle, idle meaning careless, word you speak. I would say unconfessed, right? If we've confessed it, God forgives us. But for every idle word that you speak, the words you say, let's finish it, will either acquit you So translation, be very careful when you speak about someone's character. It's a very specific message this morning. Very specific. Most of these are very specific. We don't really talk about lying as, an, as, as a sermon or talking about people's character normally. That's why I love unpacking this because we're covering some things you don't, you don't always talk about. You kind of refer to them, but not really. Be very careful when you speak about someone's character so are we another way to say it when you speak inaccurately about a person's character it speaks volumes about your character amen when you speak inaccurately about a person's character. You don't always know the whole story. And can I just say, it's tempting sometimes because in our lives, we, you know, life can get kind of boring. Life can get kind of ordinary and mundane, and you hear something, 
And there might be something about it that you know is true. And there's some details about it that you're not sure about. But you trust whoever said it. Or maybe you don't trust and you just want to say it. And you say this. And as a result of that, someone's opinion or their, their, you know, what they think about is shaped by what you said. And it ain't even true. Or it's not totally true. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me... Don't speak inaccurately about people's character. Tucker didn't break his foot. They're going to the doctor to see if he might have broke his foot. Tucker broke his foot. They're going to the doctor to see there's a possibility that he may have broke his foot. Tucker broke his foot. Tucker is going to the doctor because there's a possibility. There's a difference. And that's a, that's a safe scenario because I'm not talking about bigger scenarios. That's some, like with our taxes. Or other things. With our finances. Or in relationships with people. Give an accurate account of what the truth is, not an, a, a version of the truth because it makes a better story or, or it paints you in a better light or it puts down this person that you don't necessarily care for. Be a person that just tells the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. Tell the accurate truth. Well, there's a car wreck. They're all dead. Well, they could be dead. Well... It was a fender bender, but they could be dead. Tell the truth. How we testify about our neighbor. This is huge. How we testify about our neighbor testifies to all our neighbors what we truly believe about God and who we truly serve. I know they're coming up here, but hang on with me just a second. Let's read this. How we testify about our neighbor testifies to all our neighbors what we truly believe and who we truly serve. Proverbs 12.22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are trustworthy. God wants to shape, whether you have it now or not. God wants to shape in every person who's a follower of His an honest tongue. And specifically, an honest tongue in general, but definitely about people's character. And when we're not giving an account. You know, in that story there, or in that video up there, if you watch The Office much, Michael may think that he has everybody fooled when he over-exaggerates and he tells things. But if you watch the show, you know everybody knows that's how he is. He's more blind to his own character than everybody else is around him. They know what his character is. I say that because if we're Michael, 
We may be lying to ourselves, and that's who we're telling the false. Everybody knows, by the way. If you're not a person of integrity, you don't have to tell people you are or you aren't. They know whether you are or not. She has a tendency to exaggerate or be a drama queen. He has a tendency to exaggerate or be a drama queen. Or I wouldn't trust them more than I could throw them. I share that story with you today, and this is a little honest or awkward, and, and you know, being vulnerable here for just a second. I'm kind of passionate about this because before I found the Lord, I struggled with this. I grew up around church. You know, everybody's got their story. Some grew up around church, some didn't. Some, you know, struggle with drugs. Some struggle with something else. Some struggle with whatever. My struggle was being honest. I would tell you what you want to hear. I would make things up to make myself look bigger than I was. I would say things. And if you've been around this church, you've heard me tell this story before, but not all of you have. have. And I've always said, God can take your ugly and use it to make something good out of it. So this is a way that God uses my ugly for good. And I want to tell you today that when I gave my life to Christ... He instantaneously, now there's other things in my life. You know, I've got, I've got to let the Lord help me with my temper. You know, that's a daily thing. He didn't instantaneously take me to Jim Sucraw being patient all the time. He didn't work me that way. But when it came to lying, he instantaneously took that from me. He literally took it from my life. And my wife met me and she was instrumental in helping me change that. She can tell you stories. But God took that from me. I, sh- I share that with you because if you're in here today and you're not a person of good character, if you're lying all the time, that's not good character. You are not a person of good character if you're lying. I can say it because I was. I wasn't a good person of good character. But God, because of what Jesus did, we're getting ready to baptize here in just a minute. God can take your, your integrity and your character and he can shape it and change it. Because he did it with me. No one can argue your testimony. He changed that in me. And he can change it in you. And if you're being a person of integrity and character, keep doing the right thing. For at a proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So this morning, we've got one action step. And I mentioned it way earlier. Practice telling the truth in the ordinary, everyday, small things and times in life. Kids, if you're in here, practice telling the truth. Every day and in every situation, tell the truth. Because there's going to be a time where it's going to be really convenient and really easy. I'm telling you the truth now. You guys, Those of you being Christians, you can judge me if you want, but it's the truth. It's going to be real easy at some time in your life to want to fudge or not tell the truth because there could be consequences for it. We see that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All they had to do was bow down and they didn't have to die. The girl in Columbine shooting, the guy had a gun in her face and said, do you believe in God? It'd be real easy to tell, it'd be real easy to tell a lie. But if you've been practicing telling the truth and you've been walking with God and His Spirit is in you, He gives you the strength and the power 
to do the right thing when it's easier to do the wrong thing. Do the right thing even when it's easier to do the wrong thing. That's what this whole series is about. Do the right thing when it's easy to do the wrong thing. How do you do that? You practice it. Let's stand together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Father, I pray that you would just help us today to practice speaking truth. We give you praise and glory and honor for who you are. In Jesus' name, all the people said, amen, amen. As you're seated, go ahead and be seated. We have the opportunity this morning to baptize two people today. I love the way Adam, I love the way Adam uh, phrased that. Doesn't matter how old or how young you are, we can all come to Christ. And if you're new this morning, as we, if you accept Jesus into your life, this is a step that God calls us to, is to be baptized. So I'm going to invite Sherry Jones and Lillian Ripper up here real quick at this time. Let's give them a hand and you guys can stand right there. What does baptism mean? Not only for them, for them, but for all of us. Baptism is a special and holy symbol of our relationship with Jesus. It's a witness to the body of believers, this family of God right here, that we're all in for Jesus. It also described as a new covenant of grace in the New Testament. Paul says, have you forgotten that when we joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, And we joined in his death, for we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. That's what we're doing. When we stand in that water back there, we're standing there as as sinners. Standing, We're all born in sin. My four-year-old, when he was born, he was born a sinner. You take a toy away from him, you'll find out real quick. When When we put you underneath the water, you're dying to sin the same way that Jesus died so that we could have, live a sinless life. When we pull you out of the water, You're being raised to a new life, a changed life. Same way when Jesus was raised from the dead, we have that opportunity. Now we also may live new lives since we've been united with him in his death. This is for all of us today. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell the third day, and he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Therefore, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. One day when we die, all of us will be judged, good or bad. We'll all give an account for our life. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church of Jesus Christ, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the everlasting life. As followers of Jesus, will you be baptized into this faith? If so, say I do. Will you be baptized, or excuse me, do you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, and do you realize that He saves you now? If so, say I do. Amen. 
Will you obey God's holy will and keep his commandments, walking in them all the days of your life? If so, say, I will. I will. Let me say a quick prayer with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for Sherry and Lillian. Lord, we pray that you'd bless them. Father, we pray that you would just uh, make this a day that they would just be reminded of as they go throughout their life. Whatever Satan's plans are, defeat those. We give you praise for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give them a hand. Awesome. So at this time, we're going to ask that uh, Sherry and Lillian follow Adam out. And they're going to go change clothes and get ready. And while they're doing that, let's stand together and worship the Lord this morning. I surrender all to Him I breathe and I will ever love and trust in His presence
Julian Ripper says this, I want to be baptized because I want to give my life to God and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. I want to let my roots grow deep into him and let my life be built on him. A verse from Colossians 2.7. All right, Lillian, we are happy for you and excited. All right, Lillian Ripper, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Sherry writes, I want to be baptized so I can be like Jesus. Jesus set the example, right? He would, even Jesus was baptized. She says, this church has helped me grow closer to God. While praying, I felt like God was telling me, you're saved. Take the next step and be baptized. I just want to surrender completely to him. Sherry. Jerry Jones, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is good, folks, and what he has done and is doing in their lives, he can do in yours as well. And like Kyle said earlier, if you are a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized... Um, take that next step. We're going to be doing this again the first Sunday in January. Let us know if you need to take that step, and you can be part of this too. Would you stand with us as we're dismissed? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a blessed day.